0: and we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Verse one begins uh, and it establishes that both the Word and God are the same. If you uh, it says, "In the beginning was the Word; the Word was with God; the Word was God." So we can we can determine from that scripture. And I know this is a, a one God believing church, and um. Uh, I understand that and we we preach that and teach that but we must really truly understand who he is uh, To really know him to understand how he speaks to understand how he operates We have to know him it's important that we know that he is one It's important that we know who it is that we're serving who it is that we are worshiping Those things matter he says unless you know that that, that I am, you know, we, we know that he is the God, that he is the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, the Alpha and the Omega. John chapter Number One begins this, and I know there's been many studies and they go into the logos and they they, they begin to to study in the, the thoughts of god and uh, the, the, the Trinitarian doctor or doctrine is is trying to separate God using these same scriptures and they 're trying to say that God is was Jesus was separate from separate from the Father and he 's the eternal son and he from the beginning when John says that uh, that Jesus Christ the the lamb slain from the beginning of the world. That They're trying to say that he, had the, he was the eternal son of God. But that is incorrect. What it's saying is that, that Jesus and God are the same. That, he, that he, you can't separate God from his thoughts. You can't separate God from his thinking. He, he, they're the same. Just like I can't separate myself from my thought. I can't separate myself from my own thinking. That that's just who I am. No, and even when you write it down and you put it, in, you put it on paper and you publish a paper, you are still connected and attached to that writing. That's who you are. And this, this is God written down on paper. This is the ways of God. This is the will of God. This is the mind of God. This is the actions of God's people, both, both good and bad. This is all of it right here. So if we want to know what the will of God for our life is, well, we pick it up and we begin to read it, reading it. We begin finding it. We begin seeking and searching him out and determining his ways according to his word. So we can't separate God from his word. Uh, the, the verse number one here establishes, and actually John, what he's doing, he's mimicking Genesis chapter one, and he's going through Genesis chapter one, and he says, in the beginning, you know, in the Genesis says, God, created, but in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and so he's mimicking uh, the, the creation, and he's mimicking what uh, Moses wrote in Genesis here, and then in verse number number two, the same was in the beginning with God, and all things were made by him, so we understand that that, that God is the creator, and this is one establishing point that we must all agree on, if we're going to serve God we have to agree on those things and we have to make a determination in us that God is the creator it cannot be questioned to us we can't have that inside of us that there's a question if God really did it or not because that's the that is the the foundation of all faith it's the foundation of belief it's the foundation of belief in God is that we believe that God did it we believe that in the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. We believe that, and that's the that's the firm foundation on which our whole entire faith is built upon. Those words, the creation in the beginning, when God began to do things. So anyway, there's a bunch of rabbit trails here. I'm gonna try not to go down any of them. Uh, anyhow, so so um. The, the difference between the creation uh, and the, the children of God so we have uh, God is established we understand that and then um, so and then in, in, in on down we see that in verse number number uh, number 10 it says that he was in the world and the world was made by him the world knew him not so Jesus came, he was in the world, they didn't even understand who he was. He formed it. He formed the world with his own hands. He, he spoke things into existence. He did all these things. They didn't recognize who he was. He came into his own. His own received him not. He know, we know that he came to the, to the, the Jewish people. They, they didn't receive him. But as many as received him, to them gave he the power. He, he gave power to those that received him to become the sons of God. So we understand from that scripture that they had the ability They had the power, that word power there is is dunamis, it's the same word as in Acts chapter 1 verse 8, it's the same uh, meaning there, the power, the ability, the the, the might, whatever it takes to become. So in that scripture there, they they had the power to become the sons of God, but yet the power to become does not make us that automatically, they still had the choice to make. So they had the power to become they were not yet sons. And then he says uh to them gave you power to become the sons of God even to them that believe on his name. So we learn a couple of things from the scripture. Number 1 that they had the power, number 2 to those that believe on his name, even to those that just believe on his name are not yet sons. They are not yet the children of God just because of belief. Now, belief is actually the the beginning uh, of it. It's it's faith. It's the beginning of of having a relationship and walk with God. We can't ever get to repentance unless we first believe. But belief alone does not make me a child of God. Belief just gives me the ability to become a child of God because that's the beginning point. That's, That's step number one. I must first believe. So, here we have, because um, there's a lot of doctrine out there that says, well, all you got to do is accept the Lord um, as your personal Savior. You know, you just got to believe. You know, but the thing is, is God is not in a line of other gods holding up his hand saying, please pick me. Pick me, I want to be your God. That's not how it works. He is God. There are no line of gods. There's only one God. And there, there, there's only one. There's, he, the thing is, is whether we choose him or not, he's still God. Whether we believe it or not, he's still God. But if we believe it, then we have the power to become the children of God. And then with that power, it can take us to another height, another level in him that we can never attain on our own without belief, without the power of God. So verse 13 says, um, Which were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. So the children of God are not born of of bloodline it's not about uh it's not about heritage it's not about inheritance we don't just inherit um and having a, a walk in a relationship with god it doesn't matter who your mama or who your daddy is it doesn't make a difference what makes a difference is is what we do with the power that he gives us through belief so it doesn't make a difference so not of blood you can't just be born into it because of your family um, and then nor of the will of the flesh you can't just make it happen because you choose to you can't become a child of God just because you wake up in the morning and say, well, today, I'm going to be a child of God. That's not how it works. Woke up this morning and decided, you know what, today I'm just going to be a Christian. You know, I'm sorry, that's, you don't become a Christian just because you say, today I want to be a Christian. That now, belief, is the beginning. It's, uh, it's the beginning of the process. It's, it's the first step. And, and so it's a necessary step, but it's not the entirety of the step. It's not the entirety of the, the whole process. It's the beginning stages. So we, can't, we don't become the child of God just by, by choosing to do so. Nor of the will of man, but of God. So I can't make you become a child of God. I wish I could. I wish I could make everybody become a child of God. Unfortunately, God did not give me that ability. And he didn't give anybody in this room that ability either. You know, I I know that you know that. But we can't make other people become the uh, the, the children of God. We can't force them to choose God. We can't force them to live for God. So it has to be something that we decide to do. That we believe on, and then, but the, the power of it comes of becoming a child of God only can be through God Himself. So it's a supernatural experience that takes place. It's nothing of the natural ability of man can become can make us um, into uh, into to a child of God. But it takes a supernatural rebirth. It's the being born again of the water and the Spirit. And then in verse fourteen we see that. Uh, the word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory. All right, so, and, so we know who that is. I, I know I'm speak, speaking to the choir today that everybody understands. That's Jesus. That Jesus became flesh, or that uh, that the, the when the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, that that's Jesus. And verse number one says, "In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. The Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God." Verse fourteen, and the Word became flesh and and dwelt among us. We know that God became flesh and dwelt among us, and He walked among us, and they understood that this was not. And so John, when he's writing this and he's mimicking creation, he's saying that. It was the same. We understand Jesus as the flesh. We walked with him. We talked with him. We could feel him. We could see him. But it was the same spirit. It was the same God that did all this. He was God manifesting the flesh. And that's what John is trying to get across here to everybody. That he was God. So, and he said to be his child, then it takes something supernatural to take place. That it must come from something else. Can anybody ever decide to be born naturally themselves? No. That's the cause and effect of your mother and father. Nobody in this place got here by themselves, it was from somewhere else. And nobody in this place can be born supernaturally without God. That's why we can't just. Make a decision to become and say, Well, I'm a Christian now. No, but you, you might be making the decision to turn towards God, but to have, to be one of his children, to be one of his, his, his very own, it takes God having, a, giving us a supernatural birth. So we must be born supernaturally. All right. So, and then over in. Um, John chapter three, very familiar passage of scripture. Jesus is uh, Nicodemus comes to find Jesus. Uh, some of the the most one of the most popular scriptures in the world today is John three sixteen. For God so loved the world, we we all know that you know. And we, we a lot of the problem with that being the most popular scripture in the world is it negates the things prior to that what led to that statement even being made in the first place. And what it, what it is, what it's about is becoming his child. Nicodemus is there asking him, hey, I know, I know you're a great teacher. I know you're a great rabbi. You know, and, and he recognized him and his authority of teaching and having knowledge. But then Jesus just kind of ignores everything that Nicodemus says and says, verily, verily, I say unto, unto thee, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. And then, so he cannot, the word see there is talking about having an understanding. He can't have the understanding of God unless he is born again. And then, so this is completely baffling to Nicodemus. He doesn't understand what Jesus is talking about at all. And, well, he's just like, well, what are you talking about? Can a, can a man, uh, after being old, go back into the his mother's womb and be born again? And Jesus is like, no, that's not what I'm talking about. And he said, Jesus kind of, Uh, repeats it again, verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. So he's talking first about understanding, and then he's talking about being in or being a part of the kingdom of God. So unless we're filled, and then he goes on, he gives a little bit more clarification. He says, that which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Marvel not that I said unto you, uh, you must be born again. He says, that which is born of the flesh is flesh. So there are natural things in this life that happen, and it's according unto nature. So the the natural things happen because that's the way that the, the, the laws of nature that I put into place, they take place like that. And then there are spiritual things that can only be done spiritually. That only be done supernaturally. And he said, so to be to to be born again, first to have understanding and to enter into the kingdom of God, to understand God's ways and then to be a part of God's ways. Then we must be born again. We must be born new, supernaturally. And it's not something that we can just do in and of ourselves. It takes God doing it in us. We, We must understand that, hey, I need God. I need God. I need God in my life. I need direction. I need His Word. Jesus, when He came, He said, "I didn't." Uh, and I'm going to be paraphrasing this, but He said, "I didn't come to those that were full. I came to the hungry. I didn't come for those that were that are all right. You know, I came to those that were that were not all right. You know, uh, a nobody, the people that aren't broken don't need a physician. People, you know, you don't go to the doctor unless you're sick." And so he says, I'm coming to those that recognize that they need something else. And that's the key to having a walk in relationship with God. It's us recognizing that we need him. Us recognizing that we need his power. We need his authority. We need his love. We need his word. We need him in our life. As long as we think, I got this. Well, one thing you don't have or I won't have is God. We won't have him, not the way that we need him. Because he need, he's looking for the one that says, I don't have this. I don't know what to do. I, I don't know what's going on. The, 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 most, um, the time that people come to God most often is during uh, tragic events, is when great tragedy strikes, whether someone passes away Whatever it is, what, like big life events, that's when a lot of people will turn towards God or they're about to lose everything because of um, their, the choices that they made and lifestyle that they had or, or whatever it is. That's, that's one area where people really turn to God because it's then they recognize that the, ways, the things that I have done in my own flesh are not working. It's not giving me what I need. So they turn at that point towards God because they're able to recognize that they, they need something from somewhere else. Because in, deep down in every single human being on this planet, the need for God was designed in them. And we have filled that spot with so many other things, with all the noise of this world that sometimes it's hard, it's hard to find that spot again. But anybody that's going to be his child must recognize that God is the only thing that can fill that spot. So we don't just, we don't just, um, we, we, we must be born supernaturally to become a child of God. Romans 8 9 says, but you are not in the flesh, but in the spirit. If so, be the spirit of God dwell in you. Now, if any man have not the spirit of Christ, he is none of his. So Paul pretty much lays it plain here. And he says, look, if you don't have the Holy Ghost... If you don't have the Holy Ghost, you're not a child of God. You're, you're not a child of God if you don't have the Holy Ghost. So being filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost is a necessity. It's not optional. It's not something, well, that only, only the real good ones get it. <laughs> or only the real bad ones get it, however you want to look at it. It's not, it's not like that. But it's a necessity for every single person that is calling themselves a child of God. And so to be recognized as a child of God by him... We must have a spirit. So there are some non-negotiables. actually, there's a lot of non-negotiables in the Word of God. That's one of them. Then in, uh, anyway, I'm going to get ahead of myself, so I'm going to stick with this here. Um, so then in verse number 10, I'm sorry, I didn't give you uh, this, this particular script, or these scriptures. I don't know if I gave you any, but, um, and I apologize if I didn't. Uh, and if Christ be in you, the body is dead because of sin. But the spirit is life because of righteousness. So Paul then gives a little bit of clarification here. He says, if you got the Holy Ghost, then, um, then your body, your desire, your old ways are dead. They, they're, they're dead because of sin. And then the life in you is because of the righteousness of God. It's because of the Holy Ghost that lives inside of us. It says, but if the spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you. So if you got the Holy Ghost then he that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken your mortal bodies by his spirit that dwelleth in you. So he's going to give you the power. He's going to make you alive. He's going to give you strength if you've got the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. And you know, if we don't have the Holy Ghost, then we need the Holy Ghost. If you don't have the Holy Ghost, you need the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. You need it every day. You need to get refilled with it. You need to go talk to him again. God, God, Fill me up again. Hallelujah. So then in verse number 12, Therefore, brethren, we are debtors, not to the flesh, to live after the flesh. It says that's why we don't live after the flesh. That's why the, the way that this world teaches of make yourself happy is so inherently wrong. And it is, it's completely anti-God and anti-Christ. Because living for God is not about making ourselves happy. It's not about doing what's right in our eyes. But it's about pleasing God. Not about pleasing man. And when we begin to turn and please God, then we are no longer living after the flesh and fulfilling the desires and the needs of the flesh but as long as we're still seeking after our own we are not seeking after him not truly not not really so it's important how we view this and how we live for the lord it's um, it's important um, that we understand I want to be I, in, in being a child of God that we understand that, that I, to, to do this then that I can't live after my flesh I must allow his spirit I must allow the spirit of my father which is in heaven I must allow him to, to live through me I must allow him to operate through me I must allow him to speak through me I must allow him to help me with decisions That's why Paul would say things like pray without ceasing. You know, Jesus said, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and then everything else will be added unto you. That's why those things are like that. Because that's why it was so important that it's not just something in passing, but it's a lifestyle that we must pick up. And we must live this life every single day. Is I'm going to seek God. I'm going to seek what God wants. I'm going to talk to the Lord before I make decisions. You know, if we would talk to God before we make decisions, we wouldn't make as many bad ones. (laughs) It's really pretty simple, right? You know, you don't have to raise your hand, but anybody ever made a bad decision? You know, I mean, all of our hands would be up, you know, both of mine. We've made bad decisions, but I can't say that I've made bad decisions when the Lord led my decision. But when I let the Lord lead my decision, then that decision usually is going to benefit me, especially my spirit. It's going to help me. So, in verse number 14, it says, For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. Now, that scripture on face value, if just taken out of context and read alone, is, well, as many as are led by the Spirit of God are the sons of God. So, Every you know, I feel like I'm led of the spirit of God, so I must be His child. (laughs) Well, what makes you feel like you're led by the spirit of God? Where would that statement even come from? But this, the mentality of the world in which we live in teaches us that even um, it it is even teaching that we are gods ourselves, that we. Our gods, ourself—that we are to please ourself in everything that we do. And that scripture, especially read out of context, is—it—it it, it gives credence to that, you know, because well, as long as I go do something good every now and then, then I, you know, it—that's—that's that's God that's working in me. And we—we we replace living after the Spirit with doing good things. We replace you know, being consecrated and dedicated and filled with the Holy Ghost with just feeding the hungry. Now, we are to feed the hungry. We are to give to the poor. We are to do those things. That's right, and that's righteous, and that's holy, and that's the things of God. But we are never to replace those things with the things of this flesh, the things that we can do in this flesh, with being led of the Spirit of God, because they are not one and the same. To be led of the Spirit of God is to have a prayer life. is to walk with God. It's for God to check us and to say, hey, look, don't do that. You know, growing up, um, people were more apt to, you know, in vacation, say vacation, we we're going to plan a vacation. People were more apt at that time to cancel the vacation just because the Lord told them to cancel it. Hey, don't go on that trip. And they would listen. Today, we're a lot less likely to do so. Mainly because we really want to go on that vacation. Oh, God, I've been planning this vacation for like a whole year. That's, that's my why. I only get two weeks off, and those are my two weeks. I've already taken them, I've already got it off from work. And then so then we justify what we want to do. And we do it anyway. Or we don't even talk to the Lord about it. And we call ourselves as children. How many in here have children? All right. So most of us, a lot of us in here have children. So when your children uh, were young and living in your house and uh, you, you uh, have given them instruction, they choose not to do it, and so that you were upset about that, right? No, no, you weren't upset. Oh, man, you guys are easy parents. I wish I lived in your house. <laughs> well, my mom would get upset about it, and my dad too. You know, so because I refused their voice, I refused their instruction. And then when God gives us this instruction and God tells us certain things, and then we refuse it, it It creates this barrier with God because it's direct disobedience to His voice. It's direct disobedience to Him. And this right here, remember, this is God. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. The Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. This is God written down on paper. So anything in this Bible, anything written on these pages that are contrary to me, it's not this that's wrong. It's me that's wrong. It's I'm the one that needs to line up to this. This never changes. It doesn't change to line up to me. I must change to line up to it. Now, it's uncomfortable. It's not like, yay, I get to change everything in my life and line up. No, it's not like that. It's difficult. It's uncomfortable. It's sometimes you, you have to backtrack. Sometimes it makes your family mad. Sometimes it makes your friends mad. Sometimes you lose friendships over it. But it's of an absolute necessity that we line up to this rather than lining up to people. And I would rather line up to this than line up to anything else. But if I don't line up to that, then I can't call myself his child. So, all right, so how do we become... You know, a child of God. So we see all this, all this evidence of, of if we do this, or if we if we aren't led by the Spirit of God, if we don't hear His voice, if we're not full of the Holy Ghost, we're not His child. So in Luke chapter twenty four, in uh, beginning in verse number, um, well, we we'll get in verse forty four. Says, and He said unto them, "This is Jesus speaking. There are are these are the words which I spake unto you while I was yet with you, that all things must be fulfilled." which were written in the law of Moses and in the prophets and in the Psalms concerning me. He's first of all opening their eyes. He's saying, look, all that stuff was talking about me. Those were all prophecies. You see, up until this point, you, you know, um, this, is, this is right before Jesus ascends into heaven. And up until this point, um, they didn't still have the grasp altogether of who he was. They, when, when he died... They were despondent because they didn't know really who he was. Yeah, Peter had already said, well, you're you're the son of God. You know, you, that's who you are. And then he said, well, and, and thou art Simon. You know, and then, uh, you know, upon this rock I'm going to build my church and, and all this. Yeah, Simon had little bits and glimpses of revelation, but he still didn't really understand that this is God manifest in the flesh, that I'm speaking to the Creator. He didn't really get that yet. So here, Jesus is talking to the disciples, and he says, Look, guys, everything back there, it was about me. So this is the big picture. He says, All of this was about me coming and about me redeeming man back to me. Paul writes about this later in Colossians. Read Colossians chapter 1. And he goes on. He redeemed it all back to him. He created it for him because and for his own pleasure. And it was all about redeeming everything back to him, so he's explaining this to them. He's explaining this to the disciples, and then their minds are really just blowing up. We have the advantage of reading what they have, uh, what was written about this later on. We have the hindsight version. You know, we get to see him, and we're like, well, I can't believe they didn't understand that. I mean, I can't believe they didn't recognize Jesus as the creator. I mean, he walked on water. They just, but still their mind was being blown because they had heard heard stories their whole life of of prophets like Moses that parted the Red Sea and prophets like Elijah and Elisha that did great wonders on this earth. And then here they are walking with a man and and at certain times they're thinking, this is just like Elijah or Elisha or Moses. This is just a great man of God. And then Jesus starts saying, hey, look, no, man, all that's about me. I'm the one that David prophesied about. I'm the one that Isaiah said was coming. I'm the one. And so he begins opening their eyes. And then uh, then opened he their understanding, that they might understand the scriptures. That's chapter, or verse 45. So It gives us this, he says, they, so they can understand it. But before that, their eyes were closed. Because in Isaiah, in Isaiah, I think it's... Um, uh, Chapter 6, I believe, or, or chapter 9, I don't remember, but I, I can look it up later. But uh, uh, Isaiah is there, and it's chapter 6. Isaiah's is there, and um, it's when he goes, before, he says in the... Uh, when King Uzziah, Uzziah died, I was I was in the, the temple and the train of the the road, the of, of the Lord. I seen all these things and you know and um and it was it was mighty and it was great and then God says, "Is there a man?" And, and and nobody spoke. And He says, "Here am I." And then God touched me with a, a coal from the altar, and then all of these things begin to take place. And God's given him my understanding, and then and then He says to to shut their eyes, and uh, he, he basically he says to close off their understanding. To shut it all down so they don't understand anything. So at that point, from that moment forward, understanding had to be given. It wasn't, that's why revelation still today must be given. That's how come people can sit and hear truth over and over and over again. But it's not until they're hungry until revelation is given. And when revelation is given, they're like, whoa. Man, I didn't. Wow! And it says it here, and it says it here, and it says it there because it requires God to open up the eyes of the blind spiritually. And until that happens, that God doesn't do it to people that aren't really hungry. You ever you ever tried to give somebody a Bible study or are they and you're like, man, I'm, they're just not getting it. How can you not read that? We're reading the same thing, and you understand it, and you're like. This is the greatest thing ever. And they're looking at it like, yeah, I've heard that before. Because understanding hasn't been given from God. Just like with, with these disciples here, they didn't understand all that. Their eyes were still shut. And then God opens their eyes. He opens up their understanding. And so, and then um, he says, and I said unto them, thus it is written, and thus it behooved Christ to suffer. So Jesus now This is the same account that's in Matthew 28, 19. The same account, okay? Same story here. And so he he says, does it behoove Christ to suffer? He starts talking about himself in the third person. He says, and to rise from the dead the third day, and that repentance and remission of sins should be preached in his name. In whose name? In Jesus' name. In Christ's name. He was talking about himself. So, in, in his name among all nations, beginning at Jerusalem, and you are witnesses of these things. And be, behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you, but tarry you in the city of Jerusalem until you be endued with power from on high. So, he says, you're, you, you're going to get this power, you're going to get it, you've got to preach repentance and remission of sins in my name. In Christ's name, in Jesus' name, because Christ was just the other name for the uh, for the Anointed One. You know, He's the Anointed One, and so preach it in the Anointed One's name, which is Jesus, because Jesus was the Anointed One. Hallelujah! Man, I just get excited about this stuff. I don't know about y'all. I want to like jump over a wall and run through a troop, <laughs> or jump over a troop and run through a wall. I don't know. One of them. <laughs> Anyway, so he, gets, he gives this understanding, this revelation to them. And then they, uh, after this, they go, uh, they go and they, they tarry in Jerusalem in Acts chapter 1. And um, they're waiting there. And, then, you know, that's the same account also in Acts chapter 1. The same, all the same language here. Um, it's, it's that that right before the ascension, Jesus is is given this instruction. So it's accounted in Acts chapter one, in Luke chapter twenty four, in Matthew chapter twenty eight, and in Mark sixteen. It's all the same story, and it's it's from it's from different vantage points. And so they're giving us this this wholeness of it, and we so that we can have understanding. And so in Acts chapter one, they we we understand that they all go up there. They all are in the upper room and. Um, and then it starts naming names All the disciples were, were, were there uh, Mary the mother of Jesus We, we see uh, all of them there they're, they're all up there About 120 people in the upper room Then Acts chapter 2 We see that God um, pours his spirit out For the very first time um, in, So that people can receive it in uh, Evidence by speaking in other tongues In Acts chapter 2 verses 1 through 4 And it says It said upon each of them They all speak in other tongues As the spirit gave them the utterance Now so this great phenomenon takes place on the day of Pentecost. It's 50 days after, um, um, the, uh, after the crucifixion. It's 50 days after, after the Passover. It's 50 days after that. So the Pentecost. That's why it's called Pentecost. And, and so they're there, and, and it's a be- great feast. So a lot of people that were there at the crucifixion on, on Passover, they were there during that time, on, when, during, during all that was taking place. And now they're back in Jerusalem again. And some of these same people. And then they see this, this great thing happening and they're like, what in the world is going on? Those people must be drunk because now it has spread from the upper room and it has gone down into the streets. Because that's what the power of God does. Hallelujah. The power of God spreads. And it just, it kind of comes out of you. It has to. It has to go somewhere. You know, Jeremiah talked about it before he got the Holy Ghost because he never got it. He talked about it before it was poured out. He said, it's like the Word of God is like fire. Shut up in my bones. And that's how the Holy Ghost is. It's like this burning desire. Shut up inside of me that just has to come out. Hallelujah. And it has to come out. Some people run. Some people dance. Some people cry, some people laugh, some people just overwhelmed with joy and it's all happening at the exact same time. And it could be, they could just be playing Amazing Grace. (laughs) And everybody doing something different because it's just gotta come out. It's just gotta come out of me somehow, some way. And so this is what's happening. They had never experienced something like this. Do you remember the first time you experienced it? I do. I remember it. February 25th, 1996 God filled me with the Holy Ghost I was fit to be tied that means that you know I was excited (laughs) I was all over the place happy because it was just overwhelming joy because before that I was bitter I was angry I didn't want to be there didn't want anything to do with church or God or anything but then God filled me with his spirit I hugged everybody in that place Hugged every person in the church. And I, I ran, I shouted, I danced. You know, I, I walked out of this speaking in tongues. God had he completely changed my life. Completely changed me. That's what the Holy Ghost does. It completely changes us. So well, it didn't completely change me. Well, come get another dose. Come on back to the altar. Come get filled up again. And if you've never got it, come get filled today. Don't walk out of this place because it's it's not, about, you know, it's not about arguing over doctrine. It's not about arguing over, well, it's not for us today. It is for us today because I've got it. You know, and if you don't believe it, come down here and try it out for yourself. Come give it a shot. Come see. Say, God, if, you, if you're real, if this is really for us today, then okay, I want it. Just see. So, Acts chapter 2, they're all running all over the place, full of the Holy Ghost. All right, I'm, I'm almost done. I know we're supposed to close. All right, I'm closing. They all get the Holy Ghost. Peter gets up, preaches, for, the, the, um, for this. these are not drunk as you suppose, but uh, seeing that it is the third hour of the, of the day, but this is that which is spoken by the prophet Joel. And he goes on about that. And then he preaches a great message. that Jesus was the Christ, he was the Messiah, and you all crucified him. And they're all convicted. And they say, well, what do we do? What do we do about it? And he says, repent, every one of you. Repent of your sins. Be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. And you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost for the promises unto you and to your children and to all those that are far off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. So he's, he, he gives the instruction and then they do it. And about 3,000 were added to the church that day. And they continued. They kept doing these things. They kept doing it. Kept getting the Holy Ghost. Kept living for God. And that's how we become a child of God. That's the completion of it. That's all of it. Is It starts with belief then it goes to repentance because uh, we recognize sin. We recognize our, our sinful lifestyle. We recognize what we have done wrong. And we do that through belief. We do that through faith. And now believing, we recognize that. And we repent of our sins. And then because of repentance, then we obey the gospel. And we go down into the water in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. And now the things that I repented of have been washed away. And then God fills me with His Spirit. He fills me with a Holy Ghost. And now I am his child. Now I'm forever changed. Old things are passed away. All things have become new. The old man is gone. The old ways are gone. I have a new name attached to me. I'm different. I'm changed. Those are the things we sing about. Hallelujah. Those are the things we get excited about. Those are the things that have changed us because the reason why we shout is because we remember. (laughs) <laughs> we remember who I used to be, and He changed me. Say, well, well, preacher, I've been baptized. I was baptized um, a long time ago, or I was baptized when I was a baby. That's great. I'm, you know, I'm glad those things happened, and I'm glad that those commitments were were made for you. But if you were baptized as a baby, you have to be baptized again. If if you if because you have to make the decision for yourself. Nobody can make it for you. Remember back in John where it says not of the will of the flesh, not of the will of man. It's not something that can be handed down. It's got to be your decision. It's got to be my decision. So it doesn't matter what they did for you when we were a baby. we got to do it again. we got to do it because we choose him. Well, Living for God and being this child is about choosing him as my father, as my helper, as my provider, as my savior, as everything that I need. So, being baptized as a baby, that's, that's not according to the word of God. So, we must do it as they did it. And then, being, uh, being baptized any other way than the name of Jesus. Said, well, I was baptized, but I wasn't sure it was in the name of Jesus. You know, I think it was in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost. Because that's what uh, Matthew chapter 28 verse 19 says. Yes, it does say that. It says, Be baptized. go you therefore into all the world... Uh, preaching and teaching and baptizing in the name of, of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost and it, but it doesn't ever say the name and we understand that. I know but this is uh, the only way that anybody ever was baptized in the book of Acts or in the Bible period the, after the Gospels was in the name of Jesus. Because we even see evidence of this that the people were rebaptized in, in Acts chapter 19. We see that they were rebaptized. They were first baptized under repentance. And really, that's, that's what people have doing, are doing today. They're being baptized under repentance, under the titles because there's really no commitment there. There's no commitment in the name of Jesus. You don't have the name of Jesus attached to us unless we are baptized into his name because we are baptized into him. We, are, we, we, we put on him. We become like him. Hallelujah. We, we take on his, uh, his traits. We take on his spirit. We take on his attitude. Hallelujah. Amen. Glory to God. So, the difference between the creation and the children is do we have his spirit? Have we been baptized in his name? We've got to follow and obey the gospel of Jesus Christ. Amen. Why don't we all stand today? Why don't you lift up your hands. Father, I love you. I worship you. I thank you for your word this morning. Oh, God, help me to be obedient to your word. Help me, Father. Help me. I love you, Lord. I love you. I love you. I give you all glory. I give you all honor. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Amen. 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 We're dismissed until worship service.